Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our discussion today because I think we're going to get into some topics that are going to be new to folks listening. So do you mind to kick us off? Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Alexandra. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Vina Punkage, and I'm excited to be here talking with you all today about participatory evaluation. I am the director of a small consulting group called Innovation Network, and we are an evaluation consulting firm that partners pretty much with, with foundations and nonprofits to help them better understand the difference that they're making through their programs and their initiatives. And I've been doing this work for about two decades, and I'm really drawn to participatory practices and evaluation that center learning people and relationships. And usually when you think about data, the relational piece doesn't come to mind, but so much of evaluation is about building authentic relationships with the people and the communities that you're learning about. And that to me is, is what I love about the work. And that's actually one of the reasons why I called my podcast Heart, Soul, and Data is that I you noticed. have to have that full picture together, right? This isn't just about numbers. It's about how do we use data to support the very human endeavors that we're involved in. And that means that our methods should reflect that as well. I think let's start you know, what, what do we mean when we talk about evaluation? I think that's a term that gets thrown around a lot in nonprofit, but we might not be really tuned into the actual you know, process that evaluation entails. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Evaluation is the systematic collection of data to better understand the quality or value of a particular program or an initiative. And when we think about evaluation, we often talk about different stages of evaluation. So the first stage is evaluation planning. And that's when you learn about a program, you, you come up with a list of questions that you wanna explore. Um, and it, during this stage is usually when you do, um, when you develop a, a logic model or a theory of change to really understand the connections between the program strategies and the intended changes in knowledge, attitude, or behavior. The, the second stage is data collection, and that's when you go and you collect data through surveys, interviews, and focus groups. And then the third stage is analysis, which we'll be talking about in more depth. <laughs> and then the fourth stage is reporting, where you're sharing findings with the different stakeholders and your client. And I like laying out those steps because, again, I think we're all familiar with the topic of evaluation, but it's easy to forget that that there's this whole span of activities that have to happen. And I certainly have been brought in occasionally on projects where they go, okay, we did this program. What can you tell us about it? I'm like, this is not when we start the evaluation discussion, right? Like it really does need to happen before you implement the program because you need to understand, like you said, what's the theory behind the activities that you're gonna engage in? What, what questions or hypotheses are you gonna test to say, did it have the impacts that we were looking for? For today, we're gonna to talk about how can we use that analysis step to continue to build on the relationships that we're involving in the programming. So we wanna explore this special kind of analysis that you talked about, this participatory analysis. And this is what I'm so excited that we get to talk about because I think often we focus on the technical kinds 
of analytics and this is a this is a little bit of a different approach so for those of us like me where this was a new topic to can you describe a little bit what participatory data analysis actually is and how it differs from some of the more traditional technical approaches so a lot of times as evaluators we collect data and then we analyze it on our own and then we share findings with our client in the form of a report or a presentation and participatory data analysis opens up the sense-making portion of the analysis process to, to involve different stakeholders that are connected to the program or the initiative that's being evaluated. And this often adds additional data points and adds context to the program or initiative that's being evaluated. It allows for more richness of an understanding of, of what was collected. And by involving stakeholders in the analysis process, we're more likely to generate insights and recommendations that are actually useful to the client. One of the mistakes that more data-focused roles can make is they forget that that interpretation is not a black and white, yes, there's one right way of doing it. You, know, you run a regression and it feels very mathematical and you get this number out, and then that process of moving from the number that you got out of the regression into interpreting what that means from a, an evaluation point of view on the program requires human intellect and experience and perception. And so, exactly. as you said, as an analyst, if we do that in a little black box, we're going to heavily influence that interpretation from our points of view and our experience. Whereas when you open it up, you're now bringing in this wealth of experience that's tied to the very programming community that you're trying to work with. That's exactly right. And, and perspectives are so important and perspectives are shaped by, by context and lived experience. And it's important to, to have an understanding of all of that to, to really be able to, to understand a program or an initiative. Absolutely. Well, so I think I want to go into a little bit about how this actually looks, how we can actually have this happen. I think the concept's going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people where they're going to say, yes, I see how these sort of siloed methods of interpretation can miss out on a lot of that context and the, the learned experience that is relevant to the analysis that we're doing. But how do we actually do this? And I know that you have a really neat method where um, you use data placemats. And I think that that's, this is a really cool way, an innovative way of bringing in a broad, diverse community to come participate in this sense-making, this analysis portion. So can we talk a little bit about um, data placements and how we use them? Yeah. When involving community members and, and, and program participants in an analysis, it's important to be able to present data to them in a way that's digestible because not everybody lives and breathes data. So a data placemat is a way to organize data in a way that's digestible by, by regular people. And in the past, I've used 11 by 17 sheets of paper to, to organize chunks of data related to a particular topic. And you can do this on PowerPoint if you're doing a virtual session, or, or you can do it on PowerPoint printed out if you're doing it in person. And, and I typically arrange each data placemat by an evaluation question. So for example, if I have an evaluation question related to contextual challenges of, of a particular program, I can display data collected by different methods that are related to context on a single placemat. And this allows 
participants of the meeting to be able to look at the different charts and graphs and sample quotes related to that topic and start noticing some of the patterns and, and trends in the data. I think what's really nice about this is this brings that assessment and interpretation into the light. So it's saying, right, we all agree that this graph shows a line and mm -hmm. maybe that line goes up or the line goes down or whatever it's doing. Why or what does that mean is a very slippery question that we sometimes don't give the credit that it's due of how hard that question can be to answer. And so by putting it in front of all different kinds of people who have different contexts, they could look at that group of a you know, table and a chart and some quotes and say, oh, you know what, I think that this graph is representing this phenomenon or, or that phenomenon. Exactly. And it's also sometimes helpful to hear like, what's surprising to you here? Mm -hmm. Like what stands out? What additional stories and experiences do you have to add to this? And that adds another layer of, of information. That's a great point that you might get a story or a lived experience that provides context on a data point that you wouldn't have gotten necessarily from the original way of collecting data. Exactly. And, and there's also something like the power of, of collaborative thinking. During interviews or one-on-one -on -one conversations, you're collecting stories and, and you're understanding context from the perspective of a single person. But when you bring people together and you start sharing additional story, stories and, and review the data, it, it just sparks ideas and, and conversation, and, and it takes the conversation to, to the next level. I also like that by having these multiple sheets, and I do think printing it out, even if you're doing it virtual, inviting the people to print it out for themselves, is also great when you write an essay. You might have note cards with little facts on them, and then you're trying to move those facts around and see how they connect with the data placemats. It also allows you to say, okay, this placemat has related elements, like you said, maybe about context. And this one over here is going to have one about you know, access challenges. But I could slide that over and look at these two and go, actually, wait, you know, this context piece of information links to this access challenge piece of information. And I can put them together because of my lived experience. And I understand you know, this, this third factor that's underlying both of these. So that ability to, to move that data around and, and to allow people to apply their own experience and how these things might connect rather than, like you said, if we did all the analysis in our little black box, we would make the connections that we're able to make and we might miss some that we didn't have the experience for. Exactly. So can we talk a little bit more about how this like participatory sense-making session might, might look from from the beginning to the end of how we can walk people through using tools like the data place not to really get to a point where we've got a deep analysis of the data. The process of um, that I've used to, to conduct these data, um, the, the participatory sense-making sessions, they've evolved over time. And one of the big influencers of, of how I designed the sessions is has been emergent learning. And um, I was hoping to just talk a little bit about that, if that's okay. Absolutely. I think this is a great, a great uh, piece of additional information. Okay. So um, emergent learning is a set of principles, tools, and practices that were um, created by fourth quadrant partners that are designed to bring together different stakeholders working towards a common goal in a way that advances their collective learning. 
And in 2019, I went through the Fourth Quadrant Partners Emergent Learning Certification Program, and I was blown away by the opportunities for leveraging emergent learning to help close the gap between evaluation, learning, and action. And one of the facilitative platforms offered by emergent learning is something called an emergent learning table. And it's a, it's a facilitative approach that helps groups articulate their best collective thinking about what it will take to be successful. And, and it provides space for people to engage in a dialogue about data and what it means. This emergent learning table recommends a four-part conversation arc that includes data, insights, um, hypotheses, and a plan for action. And when I learned about this approach, I thought there were many parallels between the emergent learning table and the data interpretation meeting. And, um, and I was able to kind of like combine the two to make it into even, to make it more powerful um, and, and to really make that connection between the data, the learning and the action. And so, so that's kind of um, how emergent learning has influenced my design of, of participatory sense-making sessions. And I think your earlier question was like, so what does a sense-making session look like? So a participatory sense-making session is a two to three hour facilitated conversation that brings together different people that are connected to a program or an initiative that's being evaluated. And following that format of the EL table, I usually divide the conversation arc into four different parts. The first part, is a chance to reflect on the data. And so this is where we can use data placemats to, to share the evaluation data in a way that's organized and digestible. And then the second part provides space for participants to really reflect on insights that are starting to emerge from the data. So during this part, I would ask questions like, so what are the patterns that we're seeing in the data? What, what insights are starting to surface? What are the connections? And the important piece is to make sure that the insights are grounded in the data. So, so every insight needs to be connected to some part of the data. And then the third part, at, at this point in the conversation, we've reviewed the data, we've generated some insights. And so in this portion, we start thinking about, okay, so given what we've learned, what are some new ideas that are starting to, to come to mind? Like what new hypotheses do we have about how to be successful? And then the fourth part, um, we, we typically close the conversation by prioritizing and committing to testing some of the ideas that were generated. So, so in a nutshell, a participatory sense-making session is structured in a way to, to engage a group of people in a learning conversation to review the data, generate insights, and come up with new ideas for, for moving forward. There are so many things that I love about this approach. One, from just a practical point of view, like you said, it does a very good job of bridging that gap from new knowledge to actually change-making action. And by ending with a priority list, you've got your marching orders. You know what's going to happen next, and that's going to help reduce the likelihood that this just goes and sits on the shelf and gets dusty somewhere, right? Which so I've definitely been guilty of, right? You know, that you, you do this great analysis and everyone's like, that's nice. And then it just sits rather than actually gets put into action or moved forward. I like the concept of bringing in new questions 
right? We, I, oftentimes we talk about that one of the best things you can get out of science is better questions. So not necessarily that you get an answer and it's done and dusted, but you refine your questions and you can ask better questions that are actually going to then move you forward. And I also realized as you were talking through this, that by engaging the community and the stakeholders in the analysis piece, it gives them much greater ownership about the findings. These are no longer going to be, you know, extractive findings that are handed down from on high of somebody out there being like, here's what's going on with you guys. You know, it's about as a community sitting down and saying, we're learning about ourselves and we're getting something new. Like you said, that, that you're bringing up new questions or new insights, these new ideas out of the data that you've presented. And so the group itself is learning about themselves and then able to say, here's what would matter to us and how we would like to move forward. So you're going to not only get a better project and a better insight, but there's going to be so much more ownership that you're much more likely to have success with whatever intervention or goal that that you've as a group decided you're going to do because everyone's bought into that because they've helped decide that that's what the, the reality is or what the next step should be. Exactly. And, and participatory approaches leads to increased buy-in to, to whatever the evaluation findings are. And, and I think that's really important. From a strictly data point of view as well, you're also going to be able to much more easily note when something is an artifact in the data rather than like real true finding. Because if people are part of the community and part of that lived experience and they can look at your data and be like, that does not reflect whatsoever I've seen, then you have a chance to say, oh, did we do something wrong in our data collection? Or did we happen to catch something different than what we were looking for, right? This happens a lot when we do data where we think we've captured one thing and actually we've measured something else. Yeah, and what it does is it it provides the space for different stories to emerge. So a lot of times a data point may, can be interpreted one way or, or represents one story. And I often ask, so, so what does anybody here have a different experience that they'd like to share? And it really allows for opening up the conversation to really understand the different perspectives that, that could have happened. I think this is an incredible tool. And I love how you've merged in that emergent learning model into the participatory data analysis, because I think that does really strengthen what you're able to get from those sessions. Are you able to share a specific example of a facilitated session that, that you did for, for SenseMaking and the types of insights that came out of that group's work? So I, I was working on an evaluation of an initiative that was designed to build the community, community capacity to advance health equity. And so this was an initiative that was funded by a foundation and, and they were looking to improve health equity across their state. By, by targeting funds towards different communities. The foundation had a lot of assumptions and hypotheses about what it would take to build community capacity. And one of their hypotheses was that if they fund a community liaison within each community um, and direct capacity building supports towards that community liaison, then that individual would be more successful at, at engaging and mobilizing residents um, to advocate for, for health equity. And so we collected a lot of data through the evaluation and we convened a group of community liaisons to help us make sense of the data. And through the conversations, we learned so much. Um, we, we learned that, it, that community engagement takes time. It takes time to build trust and relationships with community members. And this time didn't align with the predetermined funding cycles and expectations of the funder. 
community liaisons that had strong relational skills were making progress. But if for any reason the community liaison had to leave, um, all that knowledge and the relationships would lead with them. And, and from this came the insight that to really be able to build sustainable community capacity, the technical assistance and the supports have to be targeted towards a broader group of people, not just one individual. And so that's kind of like the, some, just like a, a flavor of some of the insights that came through from that conversation. It was really interesting because we were able to then take those insights and have a similar sense-making session with the funder and their partners to, to build on it so that they could come up with ideas for, for how to change or tweak the initiative um, based on what they were hearing from, from the ground. That's impressive that you brought in all of the sides where you said we need all the stakeholders to be coming in so that we can have, again, everybody bought in and on board and making sure that we've, we've captured all of the perspectives that are important in this project. And I love that you, you went from, right, so you might've had data that said engagement levels are, are low. Not you know what was what the data said, but by talking to the liaisons themselves, they said that doesn't necessarily mean a failure. It just means that your time frame's off. The graph didn't go far enough to capture right. the progress that we're going to make. But they also identified a long-term weakness in the strategy. So that's then you're able out of that not only to have data about how the current project worked, but how to improve future projects, which is incredibly valuable. So for folks then that have been sort of more embedded in a traditional analysis approach. I'm hoping that they're getting excited hearing about all of the benefits of this new approach, but it might seem kind of scary to figure out how to take a step more towards a participatory approach. So do you have any recommendations for some smaller specific actions that people could take to help them at least move more towards a participatory approach? It's okay to start small. Um, you don't have to have a group of 20 people in, in, in the sense-making session. Start small, maybe with just the, the client and one or two program staff. And that's a lot more manageable. And I also think that, that another tip would be to be proactive and schedule the sense-making session in advance. Just get it on the calendar with your client or, or program staff and keep, keep it small. Think about who should be invited. And when you think about who to invite, it's also important to think about potential power dynamics. So in the example that I shared, I did separate sense-making sessions with community members and then, then one with the foundation and, and their implementation partners. So you, you've got to kind of think about the, the power dynamics because you want people to be able to talk openly. And, and also just think about it as an opportunity to, to learn together. And it, it's not a presentation. There's no judgment. It's an opportunity to, to review data and co-create meaning. And for people that, that have a stake in the program that you're evaluating, they will be like excited to be a part of that conversation. I think that there's an interesting human element to this. I, and you may not have any tips on this. I'm just curious that sometimes I think analysts assume they have to be the expert. And so they worry a little bit, well, if I put this in front and say, what do you think? People are going to think that means I don't know, that somehow I'm, I'm dropping the ball on my expertise. And then on the flip side, I think sometimes people coming in, is looking at this data, they can sometimes be dismissive of their own power and their own insight. 
right? And they'll say, well, I'm not a numbers person or you're the data person, you tell me. So do you have any advice on how to, especially for people who are new to this, break down those, those role barriers a little bit and invite everyone to say, no, we're gonna openly ask questions without any judgment. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. As an evaluator, I see my role as a facilitator of, of sense-making in, in, in many ways. And I'm not the expert of the program or the initiative. I'm collecting the data and it's the people that participate in it, the people that are working day-to-day in it that are the experts. And I kind of frame the conversation like that and, and that empowers people, like that people are, it's giving them the credibility that they deserve um, and recognizing their experience and, and their expertise. And, um, and, and I think that helps kind of shift that sense of responsibility or needing to be the expert. That, that whole thing about expertise is overrated in many ways. Um, and, and I think it's really important to be collaborative, to be a collaborative partner as, as opposed to the expert, because that expert dynamic just creates all sorts of, of walls. I think that's a fabulous recommendation. That concept of, of making sure you define your role much more as a facilitator. I think that is so true that even if, all right, I am going to make a graph, the people that I'm bringing in, they're the experts on the ground. Exactly. And I'm providing them with some some images or some tables that I created, but they really know where that came from. And they're going to be the ones giving that that insight. I think that's a great framework because it, it does level the playing field. So for those organizations that I think are new even to the concept of evaluation, right? We've, I think there's some organizations that have done traditional evaluation. This is going to open up some really great new doors for a, a more effective way um, and at least a new tool to put in their belt of how to, to do um, analysis. But for those folks who haven't quite gotten involved into data analysis or they're, they're new to evaluation, do you have any advice on um, kind of getting started on the right foot or some actions that they could take even to, to approach this concept of evaluation? My advice would be to just approach it from a place of curiosity because what you're trying to do is learn and understand the, the, the program or the initiative that you're evaluating. That kind of changes the mindset and it opens up the door to all sorts of possibilities. And it, it's not something where you're, you're brought in to judge something. It, it's more about curiosity and learning what works. And, and for people that, that are new to evaluation and, and are interested in, in doing a data interpretation meeting, like I said before, like just start small. Sharing data is, is a really great way to get people talking and interested. One of the keys to a successful conversation is being able to present it, present, present the data to people in a way that makes sense. So use something simple like PowerPoint and, and don't worry about formatting and making things look pretty. Um, just do everything in black and white. And it's, it's a work in progress. It's not a final report or a presentation. It's just, you just want to make sure that it's clear and that people can extract meaning from it. And you don't have to include all the evaluation data that you've collected on the placemats or as part of your sense-making session. Pick and choose the topics that you're genuinely interested 
about and that you think that bringing additional perspectives will help shed more light. So, so be guided by your curiosity. And um, at the start of the session, you want to make sure that you're clear about the process and, and the rest will follow. Um, yeah, so, so start simple, use something like PowerPoint. Um, don't worry about the formatting and making things perfect. And be, be selective in what you're focusing on and be clear. I think those are great recommendations. And I realized when we were talking before about breaking down the expert status, I was still falling into the same trap of it's like us and them. Like there's two different groups here. We've got like the analysts and then we've got community members, but it's really a we. We're all going to sit down and we're going to be curious about this. And we're going to ask questions and explore. And together we're going to create something new. You talked about that we get these new insights. So you doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to require super you know, expensive software. Like you said, it could just be PowerPoint. We're going to put a couple of data points out that we're going to talk about and we're going to explore and we're going to ask questions and be open to that. And, and everyone can do that. And it can be a really great way, not only of building those relationships, like you said, it's building a team, building relationships, but it also will make your program stronger. Exactly. So, well, thank you so much for this fabulous discussion. I have learned so much from this conversation and I am very excited to, to hear about how people are able to apply this in their work. Um, where could people potentially connect with you? I know that you've got a change coming up too. So if people would like to learn more about you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, so I am, I think LinkedIn would be a great way. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to be shifting out of my role as director of innovation network and leaning into the possibilities of, of doing more work that, that connects me closer to communities and, and people and, um, so that'll be coming down the pike in a few months, but LinkedIn would be one way to find me. I will include a link to your LinkedIn profile in our show notes. So anyone who would like to connect with you or follow with you can find you there. So thank you so much for this. Thank you, Alexandra. It's been a pleasure to, to be on your podcast.